This is the Constructionist Podcast, where we take ancient stories, the person of Jesus, current events and topics, and help you construct a new Christian worldview that's relevant and loving to those around you. I'm your host, Kevin Bates. I'm a semiotician and community builder, looking at the signs of the times to build a better future together. Well, good evening, everyone. You are tuned into the Constructionist Podcast, and tonight we are starting a new eight-part series on the body. Tonight's topic is called Constructing the New You, which is the start of the entire series, and we will be looking at the science, psychology, and spirituality of goal setting. So as the constructionist, we desire for you to be able to navigate your life with a framework of a worldview that is relevant and loving to people. And part of this is getting your own house in order. So tonight is the start of that. If you can't figure out how to love yourself, it's really difficult to love others. That's kind of the premise that we are on. A great TED Talk TED.com to listen to as kind of a backdrop for this whole series, this eight-parter called The Body, is a TED Talk given by Dan Harris called The Benefits of Not Being a Jerk to Yourself. And so when you have time the sh in the show notes, that will be listed, uh, the link to that, and you can listen to that at your convenience whenever you have time. So goal-making is thought to be an unspiritual practice to the Christian world and old world thinking. Uh, we have lots of thoughts about that and how that is not true, but that is a thought out there that goal making, we are just a vapor and we we use it daily to manage staff, to accomplish projects, and it is directly related to success. So in previous podcasts in this series, uh, or in this, in this podcast uh, series that we've had, we've made mention that we want to deconstruct old ideas, and sometimes we don't move away from um, uh, these old ideas into new ways of thinking and understanding. So it's easy to become like we reject. So we have this old adage, I want to be so different. I end up exactly the same. So if we don't know where we're headed, if we don't have a goal, if we don't have a vision, if we don't have a pinpoint crystal clear idea sometimes of where we're headed, we wander off the trail and we end up lost like whacking the weeds, whacking the trees in a forest without a compass. So this is why resolutions sometimes don't work. They many times don't have a framework. They many times don't have a goal-oriented framework setting around them. They're just decisions that we make. They're something that we don't want to do anymore, or we want to start doing something, yet there's no framework around it. So tonight, we're going to try to give multiple frameworks. You can choose, pick and choose which one you like, and we're going to pack it with science, psychology, and spirituality as a pathway forward um, so you are not without that compass in the forest. So this is our thinking space where we want to spend time thinking about relevant topics that uh, have lots to do with our culture and our lives and where we're at. And so we're presenting ideas and thoughts. And tonight we are making the best attempt to explain a very practical idea in an eight-part series and the theologies 
to it to live by. So tonight we are goal setting. Constructing the new you has to do with goal setting. Constructing the new you has to do with addressing our habits and toxic behaviors. That's next week. Number three, the third week is going to be on self-image and beauty. The fourth week is fitness and nutrition, and we are hoping to gather some special guests to be on our show, and so we're going to do that over the next several weeks, and we're going to keep you updated on who's going to join us. Uh, the fifth week, spiritual practice and meditation is proven to change our psyche, our mental health, and also help us to accomplish and be successful. Also, healthy relationships, mental health, and then something we often neglect almost daily is rest. And so rest is an important idea and practice to implement in our lives to construct a new you with the body. So that is our eight-part series, and I'm looking forward to setting it uh, outright with goal setting and making sure that we can have a framework of goal setting so that when we talk about these other topics or talk about these other subjects that we are able to put some feet and some building blocks to them. So you can support us in several different ways. Of course, financially, you can support us by following the link in the chat or show notes uh, or on our social media platform to our website. Financially, you can give to ResonateCC.com under the Give tab. But most importantly, we want you to listen and interact with us. And so our chat box is open. It's open actually all through the week. So some people listen to this tonight and some people listen to this throughout the week and sometimes on Sunday morning. So we want to leave that open. You can make comments in the chat box and we will respond and inter interact with you. But tonight is live, so we are going to interact with you live uh, as you make comments with us. And this helps us to better learn, to understand where you are, to grow together, being better together. That's what we're about. And during these times, where we deal with new stresses, new anxieties, new pressures of life, where we have to construct a new self. And so that is our hope starting uh, tonight with the body. So let's talk about goals. Why goals? Because goals, goals, goals. Those things just seem like they're talked about every year around this time. And it just seems like the natural rhythm to talk about goals. Well, goals are proven to be the foundation of change. That when you have a goal or you have a certain goal as framework that you work within or you put your life within a framework, maybe a structure, call it a structural goal. We know that that is a foundation of change. If you no longer want to be a certain way and you want to embrace another way, you have to set some framework of goal. Now, resolutions are different. Resolution is like, I resolve to be different right? That's like a decision. It's a sometimes a, a weak decision. I'm going to make 10 resolutions this year. But a goal is different. It has a structure to it. It has reward to it. Well, you heard that word, right? When you accomplish it, you get something out of it. It's on a time frame. It's very structured um, in, its, in itself. And so this is why goal setting and 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 the goal framework is connected to success. And so if you want to have a successful, let's say, financial outlook on your life, or you want to have a successful marriage, you want to have a successful parenting uh, plan, you want to have success in certain areas of your life, in your spiritual life, goal setting is the best way to achieve the possibility of success in your life. Now, we know that life gives us a mess. 
But when we have goals in place and a framework of goals, we know that we can face those messes better and navigate through the change better if we have a structure and a very clear view of where we're trying to head in the future. And honestly, I like to talk about this every year. I like to talk about it at the beginning of the year. I start asking my friends, you know, a month ago, what's your goal? What are your goals? Some people will say, you know, I want one person basically said they wanted a body of a bodybuilder. That was that was their goal. And I just not not jokingly because they had they're pretty small in their frame. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, you got a lot of work to do. But that's their goal. Right. That's what they want to do. And so they're going to hit some weights here in the gym. So some goals seem very narcissistic. Some goals seem very self-centered. Some goals seem very just about me. But the goals that you have don't have to be that way. They don't have to be focused on just you. They can be about your family, about what you're offering the world, about your your um, spirituality or your your ministry in life, what you are giving back to the world. And so I like talking about resolutions and more importantly, goals, because it is a yearly rhythm that at least once a year, at least once a year, our culture and the culture around us talk about goals and resolutions about being better. I mean, what's wrong with talking about even you know, January 2nd, you're going to fail. What's wrong with talking about being better at least once a year? right? At least once a year, we talk about once a year, we give gifts. There's nothing wrong with that either. There's once a year where we celebrate around a table. There's nothing wrong with that. Or twice a year, we celebrate around that table. There's nothing wrong with that either. There's nothing wrong with talking about being better. Yet, there is a certain science and there's a certain psychology and there's a certain spirituality of goal setting and goal making that we're going to talk very specifically about today. So why, what, are, what is goal setting? Well, if you walked and worked aimlessly through life and you had no goals and you were just wandering down this path just basically without a thought or a care to the winds, and you're talking with people without reason, you're talking to others without any care of who they are, about who you are, honestly, that, that there's no aspiration that you have, there's no inspiration that you give, how would that make you feel? How would that make others feel? Everyone has a goal. Everybody has at least a idea of what their goals are. They might not be written, they might not be in a framework, they might not be specific enough, but most of us don't walk through life aimlessly. Why? Because we don't want to look foolish. We're afraid of being foolish. We're afraid of disappointment. We're afraid of letting people down, including ourselves probably mostly. So we have a fear, but we also have our brains are designed to actually, and our cognitive function, our executive function is designed to put our future together. And so that's what we're going to talk about today with the science of goal making. But really goal setting in psychology, if you talk about the psychology of it, it is an essential tool that therapists and counselors use to help us get emotionally and mentally healthy. There's practices that are put in place that help us become emotionally, mentally stable. And so a, a goal is an action plan. You can put that action plan and apply it to anything that you want. 
but but it's an action plan basically that we set for ourselves. That's the definition of it, is a successful action plan we set for ourselves. And goal setting or a goal in general is a help tool. It's a tool that helps us make the right moves in life, at least to our understanding and our hope that we make the right moves at the right time in the right way with hopefully the right ethical motive. So we have this at least framework of goal setting that everyone naturally, almost like the nature of human nature, is to exist in life, you have some kind of goal because you want to make the right move. You just don't want to just trip off the curb and break your face on the pavement every five minutes. You know, you have a goal of making it across the street. So we have the goal of the right move in the right time I'm going to make it across the street in a safe way. So I have to wait until the little person turns green on the crosswalk uh, signal. And so we make it across in a safe way. So the right timing in the right way. So we don't push everybody else over. I guess that would be the right motive, right? That we don't push everybody over to get to the goal of crossing the street. Now, that's simple and that's kind of a foolish example, yet that is kind of an illustration, though, sometimes just to illustrate that our goals sometimes are automatic. Our goals are an mm -hmm. automatic, natural thing. Yet science and psychology proves that, well, science proves that they're a natural thing, but psychology proves that if we would put together a goal framework, we can accomplish much. Our brains are designed and more evolved than an, an animal of sorts. Just name the animal. We're more evolved where we can actually not only just think about tomorrow, but we can think about the rest of our lives. We're, that, we're more advanced than most mammals that live on the planet Earth. And so we, since we are that more evolved, we have the ability in our biology to think not only about tomorrow or or this after this evening or later this evening think about tomorrow and next week and our brains work in a way that we can th be thinking about next month and next year and for the rest of our lives we're that evolved so goal setting shows and puts a roadmap for future possibility now again life gives us a mess and i understand that but it's a future possibility and it gives us this big this big big picture. So there's a format for goal setting, and maybe you've heard this format before, but the format for goal setting is the SMART goal, right? And you maybe took this class on leadership or took this class on getting your life and getting your crap together, but, but the format of goal setting, there's different structures to it. Just really quickly, because a lot of you have heard this before and you're sick and tired of it, and so am I, to be honest, because really we make these SMART goals, but we have struggle implementing them because we don't understand goals, we don't understand the biology of goals, and we don't understand the spirituality of goals. So I want to make sure that we get there. So the SMART goal is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. It's on a time frame. So by next year, by January of 2024, I'm going to accomplish A, B, and C according to this metric, 90% of this I'm going to accomplish by January of 2024. That's like a SMART goal. It's specific, it's measurable, it's achievable, it's realistic and time bound. But now there's something a little new and that's called a SMARTER goal. 
and the smarter goal adds the er because you can have goals and those goals are toxic those goals are horrible they have no ethic behind them i'm going to have a goal to rob 10 banks by january of 2024 awesome no there's there's there can be an immorality but also a toxicity to others and yourself and your family and the friends around you that were to love that there can be a toxic behavior behind goals and they can become very narcissistic so they need to be ethical and what's fun about real goals is there's a reward to them so you reward yourself with goals that could be just achieving the goal and there's something beneficial behind the goal or it could be something that you choose to do for yourself a self-care type reward so so smart means specific measurable achievable realistic and, and time bound and smarter adds ethical and a reward to the end so then there's the abc goal where it's achievable it's believable you actually have to believe that you can do it and that it's something you will actually commit to. I want to run a marathon in sub two. I'm not committed to that and I don't believe I can do that. I'm 50 and I can't run very well. And so I'm not going to run sub two marathons, but it could be I want to break three and a half hours. It's realistic. It's believable. And I can commit to such a thing is that. So there is a science behind goal setting that I want to quickly go over. And this is very interesting because I, uh, I have some education in biology and the human body and uh, human physiology. And so I like to talk about science and I think science and spirituality marry uh, very well. And so starting out with science and the science of goal setting, this actually comes from Andrew Huberman. He does the Andrew Huberman Lab, which is a podcast that you can look up. He talks about the neuroscience behind goal setting. What he talks about is neurocircuits and our neurocircuits in our brain are different, let's say, let's just call them pockets in our brain, different regions in our brain that function in concert with other regions of our brain. And so there are neurocircuits that are directly, res directly responsible for goal setting. There's neurocircuits directly responsible for this action of setting a goal, achieving the goal, and being rewarded for the goal. And so the first is your amygdala. And the amygdala, you go, wait a minute, amygdala is like that, that fear-based, anxiety-type region in our brain. And you're right. It is the anxiety, fear, section of our brain. The, the amygdala brings the fear of, I stick my hands in the blades and it, my fingers get cut off. Oh, I'm not going to do that. So there's that fear type that's directly responsible. Fear many times is directly responsible to the, the achievement. It's proven to the achievement of the goal. So you set a goal. You don't want to fail. You set out to do something. I'm going to take this class and get an A. I'm going to take this class and pass. Let's just say you want to pass. I want to get a C. You don't want to get an F. And so you strive because you're afraid to fail. So there's like a, well, I would say that that can get unhealthy. It can get unhealthy. It can get very toxic. But there is a, like a healthiness that our brain brings a little bit of anxiety to put our beer down, to get off the couch and actually do something to achieve this goal. And so there's the fear fail, fear of failure that's many times motivating. And then there's a, the basal ganglia. 
and the basal ganglia, actually a portion of the basal ganglia, uh, this is the go, no go. And so this tells, our brain tells us go, and that's the basal ganglia, or no go, wait a minute, we gotta stop. And so that's the action and inaction part of our brain. So we have the fear part of our brain and the action in the inaction of our, of our brain. And then finally, there's two parts of the cortex. You've heard of your frontal cortex. So there's two parts of our, our cortex. One is responsible for executive function. So executive function basically in goal setting determines what you want out of life. That's the big picture stuff. This is what I want in my life. This is what I want to accomplish. I want to be a scientist. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a, a, a hairstylist, you know, whatever it is, the big ideas of what I want out of life. I want to be sick. That's our executive function. That's part of our cortex of our brain. So along with our amygdala and our basal ganglia, the no, go, no, no, uh, go, no, no go. go, go, no, go, sorry, go, no, go. And also the fear of anxiety, fear of failure. Now we have this executive function that tells us this is what I want out of life. Married to that, though, is another part of our cortex that adds emotionality and the emotionality of achievement. That's why we cry when we win. This is why we at attach emotion to success. I made it. I did this. That's our cortex telling us it's a comparative process where in our brain we compare ourselves to, well, I didn't fail, I achieved. And then that comes also with a reward. The, in our cortex, that's the reward brain. Some people call that the reward brain. There's an emotionality that's attached to what you want out of life which is attached to a no go, no go circuit, which is attached to an anxiety of accomplishment. And really that circuitry works in concert all together to come up with basically a together to create a goal. That's how our brain works. That's how we set goals. That's how we navigate through goals. And that's how we achieve goals. Oh, you've heard that person. They wanted to read a, the Bible in a year and they get to December and they have like four books that they haven't read yet. And so they're going to do a cram session. I don't know if you've been involved in a cram session. Used to be involved in cram sessions all the time in calculus where we would just cram, right? The, the week before the exam, that is the the fear, anxiety of the amygdala, a part of our brain, amygdala, part of our brain. And that go circuit, I'm going to do this and I'm going to pass. That all works in concert to create the goal. So now we have the psychology. So that's the biology. Now we have the psychology. The psychology of goal setting. I'm going to, I'm going to use the framework of Metalina Chadbury. She came up with the psychology of goal setting uses some people that I would find, you know, I don't know. I agree with some things. I don't agree with other things. So I sifted through the psychology of goal setting. And, and this is what I decided to present to you tonight about it. There's a motivational speaker out there that says that goals are what turn the invisible to visible. Goals are what goal setting and the goal and achieving the goal 
is turning the invisible to the visible, invisible to the visible. And I really like that because when we just have this just dream about I want to do this or I want to be this or I want to give to God this way or or do for my family this way or or whatever, I want to become this or that. Basically, the psychology behind that is you're trying to take something invisible, just a thought, and you're trying to manifest it in reality. So goal setting, though, you can't just have an idea and then have it happen. Goal setting and the actual practice of goal setting, you have to train your brain to do it. You're not going to just wake up and all of a sudden be this goal setter and achieve all these goals in the next quarter. You have to train your brain to actually be able to set the goal, to work through the process of the goal, to face adversity in trying to achieve the goal, to achieve the goal, and here's the kicker, and actually reward yourself for doing it. That takes training in your brain. So it's something that you, you know, actually causes or, or uh, requires a certain level of plasticity in your brain that uh, creates new neural pathways. So I don't know if you've ever heard of the 85-15 rule, but the 85%, 85% success. But in order to actually achieve your goals and true success, you have to work with at least 15% failure. Because at failure, that's when your brain is more apt to learn and be plastic and to change and create new neural pathways. It's at failure when you're not achieving what you thought you would achieve. That's when you are able to learn the most. That is when you're able to set new neural pathways. That's when you're able to set new direction and course correct, right? I turned the wrong way, course correct, and you're able to actually do that. You're not headstrong at that point. You could be sitting there on the couch feeling like a total shamed failure and you're saying, now what do I do? And you're able many times through help, through community, through counseling, therapy, you're able to come up with a solution to that. What do I do next? And that's because your brain is able to learn. So determining what I want though, that executive function in the psychology of, of goal setting, determining what I want, uh, challenges, um, really everyone. It sounds like a selfish endeavor, endeavor, but honestly, coming up with what you want out of life is an important exercise that challenges everyone. There was years ago, I took a leadership conference down in uh, Nevada, and I was down there in the desert, and we were all in this beautiful retreat center, and some of these people that were at this retreat, this leadership conference, they were very high CEOs, very high executives in major co in major companies that many of you would recognize the names. And so here we are all together and we're in this room and we have this instructor and he is literally at the top of his lungs communicating and asking what we wanted out of life. What do we want? And each of us had to communicate back what we wanted out of life. And I can tell you that I don't care how much education you have. I don't care how much experience you have. If you're the CEO of the world, 
right? You're sitting there in front of somebody specifically pinpointing crystal clear, asking you what you want out of life. That is a challenging question. Why? Because we don't spend time thinking about it. We don't spend time developing it and nurturing it in our, in our lives. And so that is one idea that I want to emphasize. I, I can tell you that I watched a CEO of a major company on the floor in tears because they could not figure out what they wanted out of it. They're CEO of a major co company, like multiple, multiple six-figure digit income that they had everything they wanted, beautiful house, wonderful family, children, cars, uh, just everything that they ever dreamed financially. And really, I mean, they were just um, like very emotionally intelligent, very strong in personality and leadership skills and all these things. And they really, they could not answer that question. And they literally fell apart just at a mess, a mushy mess on, on the floor. Why? Because it's a very difficult question to answer. But it's essential to goal setting. You have to figure out what you want. You have to answer that question. What do I want here? What do I want with my family? What do I want to be known for? What do I want to implement? You have to be able to answer that question. So yeah, goals so are... Just start, start with the end in mind. Yes. So we're going to cover that here in, in just a minute. So, so goals are associated with success. Goals involve our values as well. And so goals are associated with success and involve our values. So really, if you value something very meaningful and giving and generous and loving and spiritual and Jesus-like and whatever value you hold, if you hold a value, your goal will be attached to that value. So is it a selfish exercise? Is it a selfish exercise that I want to be a great dad for my daughter, daughters? Of course not. I mean, that's not a selfish, I guess it would be a self-actualization exercise, but it's not a selfish exercise. So, but goals also ground us in reality. And so goals that are practical are like reality checks. I'm here and I don't want to be here and I want to be somewhere else. And so you start evaluating your shortcomings, your abilities, what you're good at, what you're successful at. And that's, that's a call to a reality check. So if you're trying to set goals, it definitely binds you to reality. I don't have the education for this. I need the education for this. I don't have the skill for this. I need the skill for this. So there was a time that I wanted to learn to be a better manufacturer. I wanted to learn processes. I wanted to learn systems of operation. So I got Six Sigma certified. I didn't have I didn't have the skills to implement to some of the cafes that we have of production. I wanted that production skill. So I went and got it. It was a, it was a, it was a tool that now I look through the Six Sigma lens when I see manufacturing and production. So I just walked basically one of our suppliers through their warehouse and just kind of had that Six Sigma mind where process flow and efficiency of of production. So goals are definitely, they ground us in reality of what we need in order to accomplish them. So goals also though are a self-evaluation and that's married to that previous one. It's a self-evaluation. It's an indicator of our, if we're accomplishing something, it's an indicator of our success and also vice versa. If we're not accomplishing something, it's an indicator of where we're falling short. I'm really careful about using the word failure 
that it's where we're falling short and where we're successful. It's an indicator of, of self. So CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, they use, they use uh, DBT also, diabolical uh, behavioral therapy, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, Di all use Di goals. Di I'm down. I'm down too. Are we good? A little slow. Something happened. Okay, are we good? Possibly. It might be me. Okay. Well, let's turn it back over to you. Oh, there we go. Are we back up? I think so. I think so. All right. Hopefully somebody... Hopefully somebody... Okay. So cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy, thank you, DBT and CBT, use goals in order to make progress in our mental health. That is what those two therapies use. They use goals for mental health. Also personal development plans, PDPs, whether it be in your education or whether it be at work, PDPs use goals that are very specific, clear to help us achieve success in the context in which we are placed. And so whether it be a therapy, whether it be uh, two kinds of therapy I just mentioned, or whether it be a PDP plan in your workplace or in your educational place, those th that goals, goal setting is very a specific technique. So the world uses it. Institutions, organizations, they use it. The, the Our culture uses it. I mean, even a to-do list. If you think about a to-do list, a to-do list is proven to make and bring a clear picture of the day. And so we have different kinds of goals where there's outcome goals. Yes, there's performance goals, there's process goals, there's different kinds of goals. But the point of bringing this up is number one, goals are important. Goals have a biological basis to them. And they also have a psychological basis to them. They're attached to success. They're attached to, to progress. They're attached to our future they're attached to growth and they're attached to growth in our mental self physical self uh, emotional self they're attached in many many ways our intellectual self and so so goals are very important and that's the emphasis of the body that we want to bring first is in order to achieve other things that we're going to talk about you have to have a groundwork in goal setting and what goal setting is in order to accomplish these other things. Okay, so if you want to, Rob, put up that diagram. This is my last uh, idea. There's goals that uh, the author Nowak in uh, 2017 basically says that goals serve these purposes. They enlighten us. They encourage us and they enable us in a healthy way, not enabling, but they enlighten us, they encourage us, and they enable us. 
So enlightening us means they provide meaningful insight into our lives, into our abilities, also into our weaknesses. And they help us prioritize our lives so that the goal can be achieved. But they also encourage us. It provides motivation. It provides courage. It provides implementation skills and, and how to do that. And if we execute it properly, it's encouraging to see ourselves successful. And also then it enables us. So goal setting enables us to achieve balance. Goals enable us to achieve real, a balance between real and ideal in our lives, between what is reality and what is maybe beyond reality, but maybe we could work on achieving a beyond reality. But implementing goals, I think we gain self-confidence, we gain uh, achievement, and we gain, ultimately, we gain a reward system in our lives that we end up self-caring, we care about self. Um, and if you look at that chart, you can see that goal setting enlightens us, encourages us, and enables us to do great things. Yet the church, here's the negative, the church has downplayed goals. In the old school system, the church has definitely downplayed goals. There's, there's a there's a practice that of spirituality that goals are unspiritual. And so the theories of goal setting, the theories of goal setting, you can remove that, Rob, thank you. The theories of goal setting, there's lots of theories that seem very carnal. They seem very unspiritual, and some of them are. And one that I really do like is Michael Hyatt's version of of starting with a eulogy, where we start with the end in mind, where we write our eulogy, we write basically what are people going to remember us by? What are people going to uh, value us? Uh, how do they value us in our life? What did we accomplish? What are they going to remember that we accomplished? Uh, and what do you basically, what do you want to do all the way up until the day you die? That's like the eulogy. He has you write the eulogy and then he has you work backwards. So this decade, what do I want to accomplish? If that is what I want to be remembered by, what do I want to accomplish? There's another gentleman by the Peter Atia that kind of does the same thing where he does the centurion decathlon and the centurion decathlon is come up with 10 things that you want to do or to be known for by others. Like, what do you want to do and be known for at a hundred years old? If you live to be a hundred, do you want to be able to pick up your great grandkids off the floor? Then you better, you know, work on some strength exercises now. Do you want to be valued as a, a well, do you want to be remembered as a schmuck or do you want to re be remembered as a nice, kind, loving person? You just put those goals out there at a hundred. This is what I want. This is what my decathlon wants to, this is what I want it to look like, keeping the end in mind. And then you work backwards. So I'm 50. I have 50 years in order to achieve the things that I want to leave behind. And that is what's, what those two very, it's very motivating, but I like that framework because it does use that keeping the end in mind. It does use the long-term goal, but it's also a real thing. I've done enough funerals where there's some people that I have no problem burying. 
there's some people that I can put them in the grave and we celebrate and we cry and we eat and we laugh and we sing and it is like a celebration. And then there's other people where you just really don't know what to say and you have to make it up and try really too hard. I don't want to be that person. I don't want the pastor standing up on the stage trying to figure out what to say about my life. I want it to be a celebration. I want it to be known to be generous. I want to be known to be valued as a spiritual person, a Jesus follower. I want to be known as a good dad, a good husband, a healthy person. At 100 years old, he picked up his grandkids or great grandkids, although they might just mm -hmm. be my grandkids. So at 100 years old, I want to pick up my grandkids. So, so, uh, that's the centurion decathlon. That's the keeping the eulogy um, model. And that's the, those are the two theories of, of goal setting that I really like. All right. So that's the biology. That's the psychology. And Jake and Beth, or Jake and Beth, Jake and Sharia, Beth is Jake's wife's name. Jake and Sharia are going to talk about the spirituality of goal setting. Okay. Can, can I start? Yes, please. All right. Um, so like Kevin was saying at the beginning, um, some people have this idea that um, goals and goal setting is unspiritual. Um, and I think there's a couple reasons that we get there. Um, we see verses in scripture sometimes like Psalm, or uh, Proverbs 16, 19, that says we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so some people take that to mean that having a plan just isn't very useful at all. Um, I think there's also another stream of thought within Christianity that um, requires a certain amount of spontaneity in order to allow the Holy Spirit to move. Um, we got to be able to follow the Spirit. So if we have a plan that's going to be too rigid, we got to go where the Spirit leads us. Mm -hmm. um, and something that I wonder about is whether this idea towards um, goals being pointless or unspiritual is also like a COVID response um, mm. because we experienced so much disruption in our lives that made it difficult to plan the next day or the next month or the next year. Um, so you're saying there's like you see a resurgence of that mentality. I think maybe, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see it in myself. I get asked if I want to go back to teaching and like, I have no idea. <laughs> How am I supposed to answer that? Yeah. You know? Um, so I do think there's, I think there's validity to feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And I do think that goal setting is still useful and we can find areas of life where we can set goals, even if we don't know what I, we want our career to be. Um, so if we look at some of these other verses that are used to support this idea that setting goals are unspiritual, um, We've got Psalm 33.10, which says, The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the people. Um, we've got James 4.13-15. through 15. That's the one where it's saying, Don't say tomorrow you're going to do this and that or whatever. You know, Instead, if the Lord wills it, then maybe we'll do this thing. Um, mm -hmm. And what I see in these passages isn't so much a an antagonism towards goal setting, I think it's more about maintaining a spirit of humility rather than one of pride, um, which I think is certainly a theme throughout the Bible. And so I think the idea is make a plan and have the humility to know that 
it doesn't always work out. Sometimes you have to change plans. Hmm. But if you don't have a plan, you're, how are you going to get started? You're not going to know where you're going. Right, um, right. And then when it comes to that idea that we need to, we need to be spontaneous so that the spirit can move. Um, one really great nugget that I got out of grad school, um, somebody said, the Holy Spirit can work ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So like maybe in that planning, in that goal setting, the Holy Spirit was present then too saying, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's plan for that. <laughs> that's awesome. I do love that because I, and we set a calendar every year, a liturgical calendar. That's what it mm-hmm. used to be called. So we set a liturgical calendar, the rhythm of the church, the faith community that we are a part of and lead and teach at and such. And so um, a lot of people oh, like podcasts as well. Do, yeah. So, so some people don't necessarily, they have an uncomfortable feeling when you say, oh, I've planned out the entire year right. and they go, oh, but aren't you leaving room for the Holy Spirit to lead mm-hmm. us? And it's like, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. What if something comes up? What's going to come up? Of course I'm going to change. Yeah. Somebody, right. somebody said uh, to me, or I was reading something, somebody said, you can continually plan to have a flat tire in the middle of nowhere, or you can just save your money and buy new tires. <laughs> so, so I think that sometimes our leading of the Holy Spirit is, oh, I'm not going to plan anything, or I'm just going to plan for that, you know, that one, mm-hmm. you know, messy event or whatever. Um, but I'm not going to just plan to save money for tires. I'm not going to plan a goal. So. Mm-hmm. Continue on with the spirituality of, of goal setting. We talk a lot about, or we don't, but you hear often God's will, God's will, God's mm-hmm. will for my life, God's will for this or that. I'm not going to say that God does not have a plan or purpose for your life, but to be so focused on, on something that is intangible or something that, that may not be about you, be that God's will, that oftentimes that leads us to more inactivity than activity that pulls us out of, uh, lots of things. And so as I've seen people often pull themselves out of groups, out of, situations out of even life because they have felt emotionally that God was telling them or God's will was not to be a part of that. And that definitely could be true. But if you're searching always for God's will and not moving forward, I think that's when you start to get into the issue of, of inactivity and kind of anti-spirituality. I think in, in Thessalonians, we have this, this book about, the, the church that is sitting around and all they're doing is partying because they think that the end of days are coming and Jesus is coming back really soon. And so Paul writes to the Thessalonian crowd to get to work. It's, it's time to, to move forward, mm-hmm. be productive, get going. There's things that you need to do instead of sitting around and thinking, well, God's will has got that God's going to come back. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to have fun right here. And so not moving forward with life and the there's a parable out there that oftentimes people take as what you're given in life 
you have to make the most of. And so it's called the parable of the talents. And we take a much, I take a much different approach to that parable itself. But even just saying what God has given me, if I don't progress with that, I think that's more of, that's more of an anti-spirituality. I'm moving with, with the spirit to move forward. I'm actually going directly against what, what could be there for, for my life. And so you have, you have the spirits indwelling within you. And so not making room for the spirit of how we're living in spontaneity. I, or had been like knowing God's will or experiencing that. I want to know that my life is so connected with, with the spirit, with God, that, that my will, what I want to do, what I want to accomplish and be is what God desires, what God's will is, what God's will, because the spirit is indwelling within me and, and pushing me towards that direction. Hmm. And so I just watched someone get a DUI outside the window up here. January is not starting out well for them. And that was not a good decision because if we look at the spirituality of goal setting, Mm -hmm. that not goals affect everything, plans, events affect everything that spirituality just can't be separated from the physical emotional the psychological the biological spiritual is is in that so are you do you think that god's will is limited explain more what you mean by limit well if you so you take the the stance that maybe the will of God is seen in Scripture, right? So some people believe that that the will of God is only seen in Scripture. That so when you read Scripture, the will comes, the will of God comes out. Are you talking about a more illumination style, or what do you? No, 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 no. The will of God is written and seen only in Scripture. So the words on the page explain the will of God, right? Okay. Uh, so that theory. God's will is very limited. Okay. Right? There's only Mm -hmm. a few action steps of God if you only take that stance. But I also don't think that God is so outside of what he is, God has already spoken. So to say that God is just, you know, just out there doing just crazy, you know, wacky outside of character things. I would say God is God's will is limited at least to God's character. Consistency in character, yeah. Right. God's will is consistent with his ethic, God's ethic. Uh, God's will is consistent with God's, mm, I guess, like economy, like what God believes about economy. So I think that I think that we get kind of wacky a little bit when it comes to when we start chasing well let's bring up the economy so it's thought that the more money you have the more blessed you are by god and so therefore you know you need to chase the dollar 
and that's God's will for you to chase the dollar. So if you believe that, and if that's your you know health and wealth gospel, you'll start chasing a God's will that really is not consistent with the character of God. And so, so I think, and I believe God's will is limited to a degree and it's okay. limited to, you know, the structure of God's character, God's ethic, God's economy, God's relationships. I, I believe that God's sole purpose and will is to create heaven where we are at. Okay, so that's limited, right? You're saying that that's a limited version of God's will. It's limited and non-personal. I think okay. that there, if there are two things that we take as very limited and per, non-limited and personal, is mm -hmm. salvation and the will of God. Right. Or like even my personal relationship with Jesus. My whenever. Whenever you see the the word personal come out in, in Christianity or in or in theology. It's a struggle. Right. It's a it's a red flag of a kind of a chosenness behavior that I think that us being white Americans, we have the ability to say personal mm. and privileged. The the will of God is what benefits us the most, no matter what. Well, that's like, the I, great American experiment, right? Totally. But if you say, I, I don't, I would Jesus to the, to the rich young ruler, right? I'd have a hard, I would, I would pose that anyone that is following the will of God and doesn't give up everything that they have. Hmm. It's probably not following the will of God. So do you believe both of you, do you believe that Christians are circular communicators when it comes to these kinds of things? Do you know what a circular so. communicator is? Somebody brings up a subject and then they change the subject to God's will and they never get, and then they just yeah. keep repeating that circular mm -hmm. conversation. They never do anything. They never accomplish anything besides a lot of spiritual, high spiritual talk. It's, it is just a cliche of, of making plans. And they're trying, to, they're trying to blanket justify themselves. Right, so if we really did care about the spirituality of goals, if mm -hmm. we said, okay, there's nothing wrong with goals because the Bible says we are to do good works. And in order to do good works, if I'm going to feed the houseless, yeah. I need to plan a meal. Goals along the way. I need to plan a meal <laughs> that's nu nutritious to feed the houseless. So the good works idea, there has to be a goal. There has to be some planning behind it. Yet the spirituality of that is I'm feeding the houseless and I'm making room for people. Yeah. But yeah. it's like you can't you can't separate spiritual from financial yeah from spiritual, right spiritual from physical it is all spiritual right mm -hmm. and so when as you're setting goals and as hopefully you're accomplishing them mm -hmm. your spirituality will increase if you're really focusing on self-care and self-improvement and you'll be a better person to others you'll be able to love more, more just like just like Dan Harris's 
uh, TED talk on yeah, you know, loving basically you'll be, loving you'll be yourself. Less of a jerk. Right. The Bible does say to love others as you love yourself. So if you don't love yourself in any sense, you're not necessarily going to give a lot of love to others. So I believe in the love, proportionate love, that as you experience love or as you know love, you'll be able to give that form of love. So if you experience a radical grace, a radical love, a radical forgiveness, you'll be able to do that with others. And that is a conviction. And I've been talking about opinion versus conviction late, lately. And opinion is just something I heard, something that I believe because it sounds true or it's backed up by some material. But a conv conviction, conviction means that I have evidence to prove that I believe it. So like a judge stands before a convict they are convicting them of based on an evidence that they believe that they're guilty. So what am I guilty of? I'm guilty of experiencing whatever that is that I have conviction over. So if I actually have conviction, I have proof in my life that shows that I have the authority to believe it. Now I can believe it and have an opinion, but I don't necessarily have conviction. And so that goes to the goal setting idea and the spiritual idea of goal setting is, is putting ourselves in places that we are doing good works into the world and we actually have conviction because we're experiencing the movement of the Holy Spirit because we're doing good works in the world. I think that if we're just sitting up on some mountaintop for the rest of our lives, Jesus went to lonely places to pray, but not Jesus's whole life. And so, so there's times for that, but just stoving up yourself in the middle of nowhere, trying to listen for the will of God is probably not necessarily it's, where it's, we need to be. It's this odd, like asceticism that is entered into, I think, and I'm not sure if it's evangelical. I really haven't done that much research about where the personal will of God has come from. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any early writings which talk about the personal will of God. And I can't think of any New Testament passage which even talks about the personal will of God, God's will for my life. Right. I think, I think it's pretty much lays out what God's will for your life is when you become a Christian in John 17 and Philippians 2 and mm -hmm. Acts 2 and... Matthew great, 28. Great, great commandment. Matthew 28. Yeah. Great commission. Right. So, Sharia, so, what I heard you say is that mm -hmm. goal setting is spiritual, but we have this threat that it's unspiritual. And, Jake, I heard you say that goal setting is spiritual, but our threat against goal setting is our hyper spirituality, where we're trying to seek out, well, that's not God's will for my life. So, I'm not going to set anything in motion. Anything. Right. So we have this spiritual laziness that is involved uh, that Christians circularly communicate a spiritual laziness and spirituality is connected to good works. So there's a laziness there that I've I've experienced for a very long time in the church. Um, 
I've experienced it not not necessarily here uh, in Sherwood at our current faith community as much, but uh, definitely in other places that I've served, I've experienced a lot. I've experienced a lot of hyper spirituality, end times theology, where we're just stoving ourselves up for the end times, and now we're in the end end times. You know that's what they say because we haven't made it to the end time, or we made it past the end times. Now we're in the end end times. It just is a perpetual circular conversation of nothingness. Well, I think there's just to end our podcast tonight with the body and goal setting as constructing a new you. I think the Bible talks about very clearly that there's a fivefold person. And that fivefold person is our physical, which is called the temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our work, what we do with our hands and feet, is our good works, according to Scripture. Our social and relational self, that self is loving our neighbor loving our children, loving our spouse as God would love the church. And so we are to love our neighbor and love our children and love, right, in our social and relational self. Our spiritual self has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we have a spiritual self and we have a mental self when Paul says to be renewed of your mind. And so when I'm renewed of my mind, I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I have the mission of loving my neighbor. I have good works to do that with. I'm to take care of my temple of the Holy Spirit. That's the fivefold person. So I think there's different domains that we can use or, or sections or life categories or life accounts, as Michael Hyatt would say. There are life accounts that we can use to build and accomplish different successes in these areas. So goals can be set in domains like and be a spiritual activity, definitely a spiritual activity of growth and, and accomplishment in our spiritual self, our parental self, our intellectual self, our social self, our emotional self, our vocational self, our physical self, our avocational self, like our, our side gigs and our hobbies, right? Um, our marital self and our financial self. So there's very specific and, and I can attach I can attach verses, I'm not going to do it tonight, but I can attach biblical premises to every single one of those things that I just talked about, that we have a mission and a commission to those. We have, a, we have commandments and words of God that, are, that you can attach basically to each one of those to give a biblical understanding, but just let's just say a spiritual understanding that we have the opportunity to grow, we have the opportunity to accomplish and progress, and the biology and the psychology of self tells me that goal setting is attached to those accomplishments, progress, and success. And I think as Christians, we, are, we need to be responsible in what we've been given so that we can give much. And that is the hospitality, that is the generosity of the spirit that God wants us to have not a self-indulgent narcissistic just worried about my personal relationship and my personal self but ultimately our goal is to give to the world that is around us the love that god has given us and so with that thanks both of you jake and sharia for joining us tonight and being a part of this discussion our first part of constructing the new you in the body and goal setting. Next week, we're going to talk um, a little bit more deeply um, on constructing the new you. 
and next week is going to be about toxic behaviors and habits. And so we're going to move into that next section next week. We hope that you join us. And with that, thanks both of you again and good night, everybody. Good night.